I want to uh, invite Ryan and Carrie up here. And if you were not here last week, I wanted to in- reintroduce uh, to those of you who were here, uh, Ryan Craig. He is our new full-time children's and discipleship director. So we're really excited about that. And uh, it's a big, big moment in our church to, uh, we've never had a full-time uh, staff member dedicated to our children. And so we're super excited to have these guys on, on board. Carrie, of course, uh, has been on the worship team for a long time here, I don't know, a year and a half or two years, about two years. And so I just want to give Ryan one more t- chance just to introduce himself in case you weren't here because it's very exciting and today he's going to be meeting with our children's staff and teachers and uh, all the volunteers and so on. So Ryan, welcome to the family. We're excited to have you. Well, good morning, everybody. So if you're here last week, you're going to recognize a lot of what I'm saying right now. But um, first of all, I just wanted to share with you uh, the excitement that we have. We're incredibly excited to get started, to do some things with God and our kids in this church. Um, Also, I don't ever want to forget to thank all of our children's ministry volunteers that have been with us. Uh, Thank Kirsten for the awesome job she did. Um, I really appreciate everything she's done. I also want to introduce our new mission statement for the children's ministry, which is we want to give the kids of our church the best 75 minutes of their week while teaching them to love God, to love others, and love themselves. We find that to be incredibly important. We want them to love others, love themselves, love God, but we want to give them a great 75 minutes. Um, Now, I'm going to add a couple things. Uh, We have two announcements. Uh, So today, after second service for all kids' ministry volunteers, whether you're a nursery, you're security, or a teacher, we're going to have a pizza party after church. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to share a little bit more of the vision for a few minutes, but mostly we're just going to eat pizza and hang out and get to know each other a little bit better. Um, also, in, uh, in conjunction with the baptism uh, tonight, uh, if you want, have a child that wants to get baptized, I'm going to be meeting with some kids during the baptism meeting tonight, teaching them about baptism, and um, if you have a child that wants to be baptized, we'd love to baptize them. We think that uh, a child can make a decision to live for Christ. Uh, it's just as powerful as if you were making the decision as an adult, so we want to give them that opportunity. So if they're interested, have them come by 6.30, right? Uh, 6.30 tonight? 6, 6 p.m., there we go, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time. Thanks. Yeah. So this is a great time to get involved in the children's ministry, if you're interested, because there's free pizza today. So, you know. <laughs> just saying, just saying, just saying. But volunteer, well, you know, even, you know, it's okay, that's all right. Yeah. All right, awesome, guys, thank you. Let's give them a, a warm welcome as a family again, and we're real excited next week. Uh, Ryan will be back with our children, and we won't see him in here very often again. So <laughs> um, I, uh, I also wanted to just um, introduce our special speaker for today. He is our founding pastor, and uh, I just want to honor Pastor Bob. Very excited to be able to have him share his heart with us today in alignment with our uh, spirit series coming up, Pastor Bob, and I, I just want to... Uh, yeah, let's honor him. <laughs> we, um, we have been very blessed as a church, uh, and our foundation has been set by Pastor Bob and our elders many years ago uh, to love people, to always have a, a, a warm, help, uh, warm helping heart towards people who need help. And a lot of people, uh, when they come to our church and are new to our church, a lot of times they, they will highlight, I just feel love. I feel the love of God here. I feel welcomed here. 
And that goes all the way back to our founding pastor and the tone and the environment that, that the Holy Spirit set through his leadership that we've been gracefully able to continue to try to uh, keep going. And that is, uh, I just want to honor uh, Pastor Bob. What a great, humble uh, leader he has been for us for so many years. And we're so thankful today. I mean, we look at this building. We walk in here. None of us had to come in and set up chairs. And if you know our early history, uh, we didn't have a building. We were renting a hall. We had to set up these cold aluminum chairs. Somebody had to go in the bathroom and clean up the mess from the night before because it's a rental hall. Yeah, I had to pick up beer cans around and set everything up. And anyway, we went through a whole lot of that kind of stuff. And, and uh, Pastor led our church, and now we get to enjoy this beautiful building. We get to hire more staff. We have grown the church uh, all because of his faithfulness and the early leaders of our church. And so we're very grateful for a godly example for us that has been faithful to serve and to feed and to give. So I just want to honor Pastor Bob. So there you go. Well, good morning. <laughs> um, have, you, have you ever had the experience of, of, of looking at the day before you and you see a, 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 a twisted, complicated path with all kind of branches going everywhere in all directions and you wonder, how am I possibly going to navigate this today? How, how am I going to get through it? Or maybe you've had the experience of looking at the day before you and you see absolutely nothing. I mean, I mean, there's nothing. Just the same old boring routine. But in recent weeks, uh, Pastor Tim has, has been teaching us and coaching us to help us discover a new and a living way. It's called a spirit-filled life with God. I, um, I, love, um, I, I love the image of, of the sailboat because as, as, we, as we catch the wind of God's spirit, we have, we have the power to flow with God. And, uh, and that makes all the difference. Uh, and, and, and the other thing about catching the wind of God's spirit is that, is that the speed with which the boat moves is really determined by the spirit of God. And um, so, so you, don't have to, you don't have to move beyond that, and you certainly don't need to lag behind it, but you and I can, can, can flow. With the, with the speed of God, in the direction of God, in the fullness of God, and experience just a, a new and a living way. I, uh, I don't know about you, but what I always find Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus as, as wonderful. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't marvel, Nicodemus, at what I tell you, that you need to be born again. You've had, you've had one birth in, in the natural, one birth in the flesh, 
but you get to experience a, a new birth, a rebirth. You get to be born again by the Spirit of God. And then Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus, and this is for me just the kind of the wonder of it all. He says, the wind blows where it wills. You, you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so, to, so today, I'd, I'd like to, to pick up and explore with you an element embedded in living in God's Spirit. And it's simply this, listening. If, if you and I are, are going to flow uh, in the life of God's Spirit, one of the skills that we need to, uh, to develop is, is just simply the skill of, of listening. Jesus, Jesus said it this way. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's going to be our, our memory verse for the week. Uh, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, well what do we hear? We hear what, what the Spirit of God is saying. We hear the wisdom of God. We hear the direction of God. We hear what the Spirit of God is doing. And so Mark chapter 4, verse 9 is, is our memory verse. And so reflect on that, not only today, but in the days ahead. He who has ears to hear, let's hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, before we get to, to Mark chapter 4, verse 9, I want to set the, the context from, from Mark uh, chapter 1. And, and Mark records for us that 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 Jesus' whole life was focused on, on announcing and enacting the kingdom of God. In, in just a, a brief public ministry of three years, everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus said was focused on announcing and enacting the kingdom of God. And he did this by, by teaching and by preaching, he did this through, through parables. Uh, I love the parables. Jesus would say that the kingdom of God is like, and then he would tell a story or a parable. And the parable would become like a window that through this story, we could look into the kingdom of God and discover how the kingdom of God functions and what the kingdom of God is like and what the values of the kingdom are like. Jesus not only announced the kingdom of God, but he demonstrated the kingdom of God. He enacted the kingdom of God, and he did that by, by healing. This is what the kingdom of God is like. He, he cast out demons. He enacted the kingdom of God. He forgave sinners like you and me. And he embraced, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He, he embraced outcasts, people who, who just didn't seem to fit, people who didn't belong. And then he, he established this, this radical um, practice of, of hospitality. 
And one of the, one of the charges that, that uh, was made against Jesus is, look, look at the people that he hangs out with. Look, look, at, uh, look at this motley outcast group that, that he shares meals with. Uh, but Joe, Jesus was showing us what the kingdom of God is like. During these three years, Jesus was calling people, and he was forming a new community around himself, and he called this new community the church, his church. So the church is baptized followers of Jesus who are seeking to live the kingdom of God in our lives. Uh, in fact, Jesus, when, when he taught us to pray, he said, pray this way. He said, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? In the earth. Right here, right now, as it is in heaven. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Listen to this. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And then when he went on a little bit further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called to them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the call of Jesus to the first four of 12 disciples and then a multitude who would follow him. Now, when Jesus called these, um, these first disciples, um, he really called them into the great unknown. How, how could they have any idea of what was ahead? Jesus um, lived for about 30 years in, in obscurity. He lived a, a very ordinary life. He was a carpenter. He was a laborer. He lived in a, in a community called Nazareth. It's, Nazareth is, is sort of like Nowheresville. It's like if you tell someone you're from Montrose. That's, that's, that's similar to telling someone you're from Nazareth. And, and as we read in Mark chapter 1, at the age of 30, he, he leaves Nazareth to Capernaum, which is really only about 40 miles away. And, and it's at that point that he begins to embrace and to announce the kingdom of God. And he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, which is, the Sea of Galilee is not a, a sea, it's really a, a large lake. 
near Capernaum, and he sees these, these two fishermen casting their nets. He sees Simon, who would later be renamed Peter and Andrew. And Jesus calls out to them, and he says, follow me. And Mark says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And then uh, not far from there, he, he encounters two other fishermen preparing their nets, James and John, and their father Zebedee. And Jesus says to them, follow me. And they leave their father in the boat and they follow Jesus. Now, if you, if you read the Bible, you discover that, that Mark's account of Jesus' life and ministry is, is the shortest of the four accounts. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them tells about the life and Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus from, from their perspective, from their, from their experience. And, and of the four, Mark's is, is by far the briefest account. And as I read this, I'm thinking, well, Mark, you, you must have left some detail out because there, there's, there's got be, to be more to the story. Um, because it just appears that, you know, they, they made this decision without any idea of what they were doing, of what was ahead. Um, at least they understood that this decision meant becoming a full-time disciple of this quasi-rabbi from Nazareth, a former carpenter. I say quasi-rabbi because, because Jesus is not really a rabbi. He's a sort of self-appointed, self-taught rabbi. He's, he's really a, a carpenter, but he thinks he knows something, and he's doing what rabbis do, which is to call students to learn his way. So Jesus calls these four men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Now, to become Jesus' disciples, these four men had to leave their trade. And I want to tell you that in this culture, in that culture, at that time, people just didn't do that. I mean, you just didn't do that. In our, in our, in our modern um, mobile uh, autonomous society in which you and I live, um, basically, we, we wanted we do what we want to do. Come on. And, you know, Peyton, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, everybody knows, but everybody knew what, what, what Peter was going to be when he grew up. Um, he was going to be what his dad and what his granddad had been before him. They'd been fishermen for generations, and there was no choice to make. You're born into a fishing family, you're a fisherman. That's, that's just what you do. And Peter and Andrew and James and John were fishermen. And you don't just leave that. that I mean, that's your, that's your identity, 
that's your family, that's your vocation, that's your security, that's, that's who you are. You, you don't even think about leaving it. But Jesus says, follow me. And they did. How, how do you, come on, how do you explain that these four men made that decision to follow Jesus? I think, I think, I think the only way you can explain it is that it was Jesus who was calling them. But he was calling them into the great unknown. Just, I, I don't mean to labor this, but just pause for a minute with me about all the things that they didn't know. I mean, really, they didn't know anything. They, they didn't know who he was. Um, or they might have said, well, I've, I've heard about this guy from, from Nazareth who's a carpenter who, who says he's, he's a rabbi and is preaching some radical message about the kingdom of God. But they did, come on, they didn't know he was the son of God. John tells the story in such a way that, that Jesus hadn't even performed his first miracle yet. I mean, they didn't know anything about water to wine. They didn't know anything about walking on the water. They didn't know anything about healing the sick. They didn't know anything about a crucifixion. They certainly didn't know anything about a resurrection. All they knew is that somebody named Jesus called them to follow, and they did. So, so that's my introduction. <laughs> and, and now we get to listening. Jesus, Jesus is still calling. And uh, if we have ears to hear, we can hear. Let me, um, uh, let me show you the Chinese character for listening. Um, now, now, this is just me, okay? This is, uh, this is, this is not in the Bible, but, I, but I, reflect, I believe this Chinese character reflects biblical listening. So um, if you're getting nervous, uh, let me just tell you that Pastor Tim will be back next Sunday, and uh, we'll be looking at Hebrew and Greek rather than Chinese. So anyway... Um, for me, this, this really captures what the scripture means by having an ear to hear. And if, if you look at this Chinese character uh, for listening, it starts um, up in the upper right-hand corner with, with what looks like a cross, which in the, in the Chinese language is a symbol for, for you and me. And God will, will speak to us, and he does speak to us through, through a variety of channels. But he wants you and me to hear his voice. It's wonderful when, when people can say, thus saith the Lord, and to receive from God that way. But Jesus put it this way. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And he wants all of us to be able to hear 
his voice. And, and for you and I to have ears to hear, it begins, it begins at the cross. Um, Paul said it this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and who rose for me. So it begins with the cross as each one of us makes that decision to embrace Jesus. On the, um, on the, on the left side of the Chinese character is, a, is an image that represents our ears. Uh, one of the ways we, we listen to the Spirit of God is by our ears. In the, in the notes that, that are inside of your folder this morning, I reprinted this from, from Sarah Young. And it's listening with our ears. Let me read it for you. Learn to listen to me even while you are listening to other people. As they open their souls to you, you are on holy ground. You need the help of my spirit to respond appropriately. Ask the Spirit of God to think through you, to live through you, to love through you. My own being is alive within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you respond to others' needs through your unaided thought process, you offer them dry crumbs. But when the Spirit empowers your listening and your speaking, my streams of living water flow through you to other people. Be a channel of my love, my joy, my peace, by listening to me as you listen to others. Let me give you just this one example from uh, a couple that I know named uh, Christy and, and Dave. Uh, this is a, a photo of them. Uh, I, I primarily know Christy and Dave through an app called Caring Bridge. And as you can see in the photo, Dave is in the military and he was uh, deployed overseas. And uh, during his deployment, uh, Christy wrote this. She said, it's been months since I've seen my husband, but there are still months to go. And then I, I was really touched by what she said next. She said, I, I feel like I'm stretching out my hands in both directions, trying to grasp the moments, uh, excuse me, trying to grasp the memories from the beginning or the hope of the end. But I find my, myself coming up short on both sides. My arms are tired from reaching out. But an amazing thing happened. In, in the midst of her, of her loneliness because of her husband's, husband's deployment, in the midst of her grief because of her husband's deployment, uh, 
Christy heard these words from Psalm 31. My times are in God's hand. Just those six words from Psalm 31. Christy heard, my times are in God's hand. And I, they're just six words. Actually, one word from God will change everything. But these words from Psalm 31 became rhema for Christy. And faith and trust come by hearing and hearing the word of God. And, and in one sense, nothing changed. I mean, David was, was still deployed, and, and it was still going to be months before his overseas deployment ended and, and he was back home. Nothing changed. But things began to change inside of, of Christie. Her perspective began to change. And God began to, rather than her days being a, a, a torment and a loneliness, God began to redeem her days and fulfill her days. Because guess what? Her times are in God's hand. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let her hear what the Spirit of God is saying. As that Chinese character identifies, we, we, not, only, we not only listen with our ears, but we listen with our eyes. Do you, do you know you listen with your eyes? Actually, the, the communication research shows that, that we actually um, communicate more with, with nonverbal forms of communication with our eyes than, uh, than with our ears. But, but that's another story. Um, let, me, um, let me just quickly show you uh, five photographs that enable me to listen to God with my eyes. The, um, the first photograph I want to show you on the, on the left-hand side of the screen that was taken uh, two weeks ago at the, at the University of Kentucky. The, the back story of, of this photograph is that um, my, my father spent the last 20 years of his life farming. He spent the, the first half of his life uh, working for Ford Motor Company, and uh, he sent he spent the, the second half of his life, which ended up being 20 years, on a, on a farm in Kentucky. And he, um, he loved farming. He, he loved the land. He loved being outdoors. He loved growing and producing. And, and following his, his passing in, in 2001, our family decided to set up um, a scholarship at the Agriculture College at the, at the University of Kentucky. And, and for, the, for the past 18 years, I've tried to make it to, to the scholarship luncheon that they have each year at the University of Kentucky Ag Co uh, College. And this is from two weeks ago. That's, 
That's my mom on the right, and that's Hannah on the left. And Hannah is the, uh, is the recipient of, of this year's scholarship. And I'm, I'm, always, I'm always inspired when I, when I go to the scholarship luncheon because for me, it's, it's, um, it, it's a way to honor my father and to, to celebrate his, his legacy. My, my father had, um, had three sons, never, never had a daughter. But as I met Hannah uh, two weeks ago, I thought uh, my father would, is pleased that she's the, the recipient of this scholarship and that her values and her love and her passion uh, is in line with, uh, with his legacy. And uh, it's, it's always a, a precious time for me. The, um, the photograph on the, on the right-hand side is um, uh, my, our son, Kyle, and uh, his son, Vincent. And um, uh, Vincent's a little bit over, uh, over a year old. Uh, and my wife and I, we try to go to Lansing every week for one day, and uh, we, we take care of, of Vincent. Uh, actually, the, the truth of the matter is, Vincent takes care of us. <laughs> because, because as I hold Vincent in my arms and I look at him, I realize that Psalm 139 is true. It's true. Let me show you um, another photograph. This is, um, this is a photograph of our granddaughter, Emily, at, at Friday Night Lights. Um, we, used, we used to go to, to football games to watch football. Uh, now we go to halftime shows, and there's a football game going on. But... Uh, Emily's music in the in the wind ensemble, uh, in the jazz band, in the in the marching band, is is a gift of God. Let me show you a fourth photograph. Um, this was taken um, last month at uh, North Carolina State uh, University at at a at an NC State football game. The the young woman that's on top of the of the formation is my niece uh, Becky. Uh, she's she's the flyer, and some of you have heard me um, uh, talk about Becky and, and her story. And when I, I just want to tell you that that Becky is is a miracle. Uh, it's a miracle of God that she's with us today, and it's it's a miracle of God that she's part of the cheer team at, at NC State. Actually, the, the reason we went to, to Raleigh last month wasn't to see Becky. That was just a bonus for the trip. But um, my nephew, Greg, asked me to officiate at his wedding. And so uh, last month, I, we went to, to Raleigh, and, and I got to officiate at my nephew's wedding. Uh, part of that story, of that God story, 
is that the woman that Greg married uh, has a has a ten year old son named Jeremy, and uh, Greg is in the process of adopting Jeremy as uh, as his son, um, and and to me this really touched my heart. It was just a small family wedding, uh, and and my nephew Greg only had one attendant, his best man, which was Jeremy. And it is. Um, um, God, uh, God is so redemptive. God is so good. Let me show you um, one, one final photograph. This is, um, this is our grandson, Zayden, at a, at a school event. And when I look at this photograph, it, it always reminds me to, uh, to pray for, for Zayden's teachers and his coaches and, and all who are, who are formative in, in his life. You say, well, well Bob, well, that was, that was a nice gallery. It, it is. Um, but here's the point. It enables me to listen to God with my eyes. And when I, look, when I look at those photographs and other photographs, when I, when I, when I listen with my eyes, it, it just helps me to be mindful of God's goodness and God's mercy and God's loving kindness every day of my life. And um, I, I can tell you of, from those five photographs that I shared with you this morning, that God has done exceedingly above all that I could ask or think or even imagine. And so my question for you is this morning, what, what are you looking at? It, uh, <laughs> are, you, are you listening to God with your eyes? Um, what, what's, what's in your cloud? I, if, if, we were to, if we were to look at my wife's cloud this morning, uh, we don't have enough time for that because her, her cloud is, is filled with, uh, with, with sky and with rivers and with water and with uh, um, sunsets and sunrises and with plants, just all the, the wonders of God's creation. But as we, as we listen to God with our eyes, it helps us to awaken to the life of God's spirit. Did, are you with me? Okay, okay. So we listen with our ears. We listen with our eyes. But we also listen with our undivided attention. Some, um, some of you know my friend uh, Bud Atkinson. Let me show you a photograph of, of Bud. This is from uh, a church uh, golf scramble. Uh, Bud's over on the uh, left-hand side of the, of the photograph. This past year, Bud was, was diagnosed with, with cancer. But uh, this, this is not about cancer. This is about the living faith 
of Bud and Pam Atkinson. The Atkinsons um, own and operate a farm and a stable uh, that, that's a beautiful place with, um, with majestic horses. And they, they board horses, they train horses, they show horses, they teach riding lessons. Um, and during this, this past year, this, some, some of the seasons, Bud's treatment schedule was, was intense. And so periodically I would try to, to help out with transportation because the Atkinsons are still trying to uh, run their farm and their stable and, and incorporate you know, these daily treatment schedules into the, into the routine. And so I, I would periodically try to help out with, with transportation. And it's about 30 minutes from their farm in Bridgeport to the treatment center in, in Flint. And so for me, these became sacred times with Bud. As, as we in the car could listen to one another with undivided attention. And we talked about, um, we talked about the plan of care. We, we talked about the tigers. Uh, Bud and Pam are, are still big tiger fans. Uh, it was too painful for me to watch last summer. Um, we talked about uh, our adult children and our grandchildren and our heart's desires for our families. We talked about um, God's goodness in enabling Bud and Pam to realize their dream. Um, they, uh, as Scott knows, they, they had worked for UPS, uh, but they had this dream on their heart to own a farm and to have a stable and, and to give riding lessons and to board horses, and, and God had, uh, had enabled them to realize their dream, to experience their dream. We talked about the the frustrations of compromised physical energy that, that Bud couldn't do the chores that, that he loved to do. I remember him telling me that, that the horses, that he was the first person that the horses saw in the morning, and he was the, the last person the horses saw at night. We, um, we talked about Big Ten football, uh, here's, a, here's a fun fact for you. Bud started out at the University of Iowa, um, but he wore a lot of Michigan gear. Um, but we were still friends. <laughs> but also we talked about the living hope that we have in Jesus and what matters most. And, uh, and we prayed together in the car. You know, the, the Bible says that where two are together in my name, I'm there. And uh, so we, we had some 
sacred times together in the car. Finally, um, finally we, we also listen with our hearts. In, in your notes, um, I, I, put, I put this quote. Grow strong in the light of my presence. Your weakness does not repel me. On the contrary, it attracts my power, which is always available to flow into a yielded heart. Um, the, past, uh, the past 15 years, um, I've taught uh, at, at Saginaw Valley State University. Uh, let me um, show you a, a photograph of, of one of my classes at, at SVSU. This, this particular class is, um, is in, uh, in healthcare ethics. Uh, in, in a recent semester, uh, this, this happened in the, kind of in the middle part of the semester. I, I discovered that one of the students in my class was the son of my department chair. You know, I, I didn't know that for the first half of the semester. And, and uh, one day I was looking at him and, and, I was, and then I looked at his last name and after class I said to him, are, are you related to, to David Schneider? And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm his son. Um, and then just last week, um, in this semester, I, I discovered that one of the students in my class is um, the son of, of the vice president that I used to report to at Covenant Hospital. And, and I, do, I don't know how that affects you, but this is how it affected me. Oh my gosh. I, I better be bringing my A game. But, but here's, here's the truth. Of the hundreds and hundreds of students that, I've, that have been entrusted to me for a semester or two, every one of them has a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa for whom that student is precious. And if, and if that's not enough, our Heavenly Father says about that student, I have a future and a hope for you. In fact, before, before I even knew their name, before I even saw their name on, on the roster, our Heavenly Father had called them by name. So, so I've decided to try to conform to Paul where he says, I know no one after the flesh, but I've determined to know everyone by the Spirit of God. And so I've determined not to know you as a, as a C student. I've determined not to know you as the one who got a zero because you turned in your assignment late. I've determined to not know you by that student number. I'm determined to know you by the Spirit of God. 
And inherent to that is, is learning to listen with my ears, learning to listen with my eyes, learning to listen with my undivided attention, but also to learn to listen with my heart. Let's, um, let's stand together. Uh, Caleb, could, could you and the team come up and lead us in a closing song of worship? And if, um, if we have a, a couple of men and women who'd, who'd be willing to, to uh, come up and be available to, to pray with people, uh, that, that would be great. Because the fact of the matter is, Jesus is still calling. Just as he called uh, uh, Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, he's, he's still calling. And he's saying, come, follow me. Now, and listen to the words that follow that invitation. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you. So, you know, sometimes we, I get so preoccupied with, well, where are we going? Jesus, Jesus didn't say, follow me and I will take you. He said, follow me and I will make you. And there's a huge difference. I say, Jesus, I, I, I want to go there. And he says, Bob, you don't even know where there is. Follow me, and I will make you. So uh, let's, um, we're going to sing a, a song of worship together, and um, uh, we're going to make ourselves available to pray for one another and uh, just continue to respond to the spirit of the, of the living God and the fullness of life that he has for you and for me in Christ Jesus. Thank you.